Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me this morning to Psalm 143, Psalm 143. And uh, there's just over these coming weeks and then moving in just to the new year, there's just a, a, a theme or a series of messages that I uh, just believe the Lord has given me as we, if the Lord tarries and God willing, as we move into 2022 and uh, we just look to the Lord, we know that He is about His work. And we know at any point he could come back or call. But if the Lord willing, then we move into the new year, 2022. Um, I believe that the church of Jesus Christ needs to be ready and needs to be prepared for war. We need to be a people that are in the battle, not out of the battle, but we need to be in the battle. That battle, of course, is not flesh and blood. We'll look at that over the weeks ahead. But this is a battle that we will win on our knees and we will cling to the cross and we'll walk in that, that way of holiness and trust the Lord in these days. But we, we need to know and we will be reminded this morning again of the days in which we're living. There is another wave of fear about to sweep over the land, a wave of fear. Can I tell the church of Jesus Christ, we have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Keep your eyes upon Jesus. Look to him. Don't look to anything else. Don't get into the wrong fight. We're fighting the fight of faith. That's the only fight that we're interested in fighting, the fight of faith. But there is another wave of fear that is about to sweep over our nation. And I want to say this morning very clearly that we have not been given that spirit of fear. And we must keep our eyes upon the Lord, keep our focus upon God's word and that may sweep, you know, men's hearts will fail them for fear. That's what the Bible says, looking at those things that are coming upon the earth. And so I understand that if for those that do not have hope, do not have Jesus as an anchor of their soul, that they will live under that spirit of fear. But we will not because we have been set free and we will look to Jesus and we'll be about his work until he comes we are to labor while it is day, for the night comes when no man can work. And our cry is for souls to be saved, people to be brought into the kingdom, the church to be strengthened, that, that the Lord would give us oil in our lamps and keep us burning to the break of day. And we know whether that's uh, by the close of this year, by the close of this day, or whether that's another 30 years or 40 years or 50 years or 100 years until the Lord comes we are called to the kingdom at this time to be those lights in a very dark world. And I pray that we'll just keep our eyes upon the Lord. Just keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus and keep looking onto him and labor while it is day. We have to work while it is day. We have one life to live. It's going to be passed very soon. And only what's done for Christ is going to last. And we want to be engaged in this good fight. There is a good fight to be part of. You know, I used to fight other fights. And many of you looking in this room used to fight other fights as well. And it just left us empty, broken, and sometimes sore. But that's the fight of the flesh. Praise the Lord. We're fighting the good fight of faith. And it's victory for the church as we walk in his way. So we want to keep our focus. I know I'm stressing it this morning before I preach, but keep your focus on the Lord. Keep your focus in His Word. You know, this world is just doesn't know what to do or where to turn or who to turn to. And the hope of this nation is not politics. It's not in anything else. It's found only in Jesus. 
Jesus alone is the hope of the nation and the, and the salt of the earth and the light that is placed in this earth is the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, ye are the light of the world. So we need to let our light shine and we need oil to do that. Praise the Lord. So keep your focus, amen, and keep our hearts right before the Lord. Psalm 143, preparing for war. This is the first part I want to speak this morning on Satan's last stand. Psalm 143, if you would stand with me, I'm going to read the psalm to you. Psalm 143, hear my cry, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. And enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. Listen. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. The enemy has smitten my life down to the ground. The enemy made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Selah. Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me. Lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do thy will. For thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake. For thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. And of thy mercy, cut off mine enemies and destroy all them that afflict my soul. For I am thy servant. Lord, we pray you bless your word this morning. Speak to our hearts. Minister, Lord, into souls, into this room this morning. Lord, we pray that your name will be glorified wherever your word is preached. May it be anointed. Lord, may you speak with the voice that wakes the dead. Lord, we ask this morning that you would just come among us. May the Holy Ghost minister in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a cry from the innermost part of a man or a woman, a man or a woman of God, that have found themselves in deep trouble. It is written by David, a man who was after God's own heart, one of the great servants of the Lord. We don't know exactly when he penned the words. Some suggest it was at the time under Saul's uh, uh, after him or his son Absalom at that time. We don't know when it was, but what we know is very simply that David was in trouble. David was in trouble. This is a psalm of a man that is in trouble. He closes it out after talking about the enemy persecuting him after the enemy had smitten his life to the ground, had beaten him down, had made him to dwell in a place that was so dark that he was like those that had long been dead. This is the words of David. 
He speaks of his spirit being so overwhelmed in the midst of this time of trouble. His heart was desolate. His soul was thirsting. He was remembering as it was the days of old and meditating on the goodness of the Lord and what he'd done in his life. But yet he found himself in this very difficult time, a time of trouble. He closes it out by just simply saying, Lord, I'm your servant. Sometimes the servants of God, if you're saved, you're a servant of God, man or woman. If you're saved this morning, you're his servant. And sometimes servants of God go through great troubles and go through great trials. This is one of those times that David begins to call out unto the Lord from all that is within him in the depths of his being. There's a cry in his heart for the Lord. The enemy has pressed in hard against them. He's remembering the goodness of God in his life. He's looking back. That song uh, that Andy and Ruth would have taught us, when I remember what the Lord has done, praise the Lord, when we remember the goodness of God and all that He's done in our lives, we'll never go back. And He's recalling to His mind God's greatness, God's goodness to Him, but He finds Himself in a very deep and a very dark place. He's God's servant. He's God's man. You're God's woman. But now he finds himself that he's in trouble. It seems like the enemy has pressed in hard against him. It's darkness all around him. It's darkness in his spirit. He's calling out unto the Lord. Lord, I trust you. I believe in you. Lord, would you come? Would you deliver me? Would you teach me? Would you show me thy way? You know, we are living in a day where... We know that the enemy's last stand is going to intensify. I know we've talked about this a lot over the year. The only danger in all of that is that we just basically become familiar with what we hear. And it really has no effect upon our lives anymore. But we are, we are going to be reminded through these messages that there is a pressure that is coming on the earth. There is an intensity that we are living in. Jesus says there will be a time of tribulation that has not been seen even from the beginning of time that is going to manifest itself upon the earth. For the most part, people are not concerned. People just want to get through this somehow. Hopefully, in another few months, we'll be through it all and life goes back uh, to some form of what we think is normality. And yet we see all around us that the disinterest the deception, the deceivableness that we'll see that comes in the unrighteous is just manifested beyond our imagination. Just a few days ago, I was in Lisbon uh, getting my hair cut, what's left of, up there, but it's quick and it's short now. But he just, he began to, a young man, just, what are you then? It's always an opportunity to share the gospel. He's got you on the chair. He can't go anywhere. The only thing is he's scissors and I don't. But he, he just said to me, what do you do? I said, well, um, when I say pastor, they most, most of the time think I say plaster. So I don't say plaster anymore, pastor anymore. I just say I'm a, I'm a minister of the gospel. And he says, oh, well, well you're one of those people. And I says, that's, that's what I am. I'm a, I'm, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus Christ. And he's a young guy. I just felt for him. But, you know, I just seen him as a picture of so many young people today because he says, so you believe all that stuff? And I says, yes, I believe the Bible. I believe God's Word. He says, are you serious? 
He says, you, you believe in Adam and Eve? I says, yes, I believe in Adam and Eve. He said, well, I can't believe this. And I says, I believe. I says, well, what do you believe? He says, well, I believe the, the Big Bang. I says, how do you know that's true? And, and he looked and he says, well, because the scientists say. Well, I tell you, I'm not following the scientists, that's for sure. And I says, how do they know? He says, I don't know. I said, but you're willing to believe the scientists? He says, yes. I said, so what do you believe you came from? I believe I came from a monkey. That's what he told me. He was serious. I says, are you for I actually said, are you for real? I know it's not very Christian, but I said to him, are you for real? And he says, you're talking about me being real. Are you real? I says, I am real. He says, are you for real? I says, so you believe you came from a monkey? And he says, yes, I believe I came from a monkey. I says, come on. I says, where's the half man and half monkey? Do you know what he said to me? He says, mate, I live in Lisburn. (laughs) No offense to anyone in Lisburn, but listen, listen. I said to him, listen, son, God came into the world. He sent the son, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross, but I can't get that. I'm Catholic. He says, if my granny and granddad knew what I was saying to you, they they would give me a hiding. He says, but I don't see it. I said, but you'll not see it in religion. And what it, what it struck me when I came away, I was disturbed, but I came away saying the deceivableness, the spirit that's working in the unrighteous, to, to pump these lies from the schools and the universities, from the media, from everywhere, because all of that is owned by the Antichrist, by the devil, and he's feeding his lies into this generation. And God has a plan for our young people. The lies that have been planted in their head. It's the rise of this antichrist system that's infiltrated every aspect of society because the Bible tells us that's what's going to happen. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1, if you turn with me, I want to go through this. Paul writes and says, Now I beseech you, he's actually saying, I beg of you, Brethren, brothers and sisters, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the gathering together unto Him, this is the gathering of God's people unto Jesus this morning. Don't be soon shaken in your mind, troubled in your spirit, by word or by letter from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. He says that the mystery of iniquity, this is in verse 7, doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That might sound complicated, and I know there's different thoughts. But what happens is, and this is what I believe, that in the last days, there is a lifting of God's restraint upon the entire earth. And that's why we've seen the explosion of wickedness and immorality in our generation. There is a lifting of the restraint for the purposes of God. It says, and then shall that wicked, that means simply the spirit of lawlessness will be revealed. There is a rise of lawlessness according to God's law, not man's law, God's law. Then there'll be a spirit of lawlessness. The Bible tells us that the Lord will consume with the spirit of his mouth. That's the end of all of this when God consumes the Antichrist with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy this with the brightness or him with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power signs and lying wonders 
and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, that the world are so deceived that the generation that are coming up behind us, just like that young man, but he's just a type of so many, that there is a deceivableness that is in their thought process and in their mindset that is put there by the spirit of Antichrist because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Everything points in Scripture, and I will bring you to the Scripture rather than what I think, but everything points in Scripture that in the last of the last days, there is an intense, I believe it's a spiritual Armageddon. There's also a literal one, but I'm concerned with the, the, the spiritual one that we are in now. That one has still to come, but we are in a spiritual Armageddon. And it is not physical, but it's spiritual. And it's facing every believer in this room. The strategies of the power of Satan will be unleashed against the saints of God. That's what the Bible teaches me. It tells me this. But Jesus says that we are the light of the world. We are a city. That's not the United States of America. That's the church of Jesus Christ. We are a city that is set on a hill and it cannot be hid. That is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a church with His purpose to fill it all with the Holy Ghost, to shine the light of the glorious gospel connected rightly to the living head, which is Jesus, and to function or under the unction of the Spirit of God. That it is united in love and unity and purpose and in spirit. That's what dispels the darkness. That's the answer to all that's going on around us. It is the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God shining in to darkened souls. That is the answer. Satan's final stand is revealed to us in Scripture. Now I believe we're entering into this stand, but I want to show you, remember the end is he will be consumed with the brightness of the coming of the Lord. But he is, giving a t he is given a time on this earth. In Revelation 12 and verse 12, if you would turn to it, Revelation 12 and 12, this is what the Bible says concerning these last days. Revelation 12 and 12, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knows, he knows, that he has but a short time. There's a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman that brought forth the man-child. That woman, I believe, I know there's different thoughts, I believe that is the church, that is the bride of Christ. There is, a, there is an onslaught against the church of Jesus Christ. If you go back into Daniel chapter 7, these prophetic books that tell us of these last times and the move and the work of the Antichrist, but in Daniel chapter 7, I want you to follow it, Daniel 7 and verse 25. I'll give you a minute just to get there, but Daniel 7, 25, I want you to see the work of the Antichrist, which really is inspired of the devil himself in his last stand on the earth. Daniel 7 and verse 25, his battle is against the church of Jesus Christ. And he shall speak great words. This will be the Antichrist. He will speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. 
and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. We see the work here of the enemy that he will seek to wear out. Listen carefully, saints. Wear out. Wear out the saints of the Most High. And that's what the Bible says that the Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist, the enemy, will do in the last days. He will seek to wear out the saints of God. That's what his purpose will be, to wear out the saints of God. Turn over to Revelation chapters 13 and verse 7. Revelation chapters 13 and verse 7 says these words, that it was given unto him that he would make war. That means to fight. It was given unto him to make war with the saints. He will make war with the saints of God. Revelation 13 and 7, and to overcome, or that word means to subdue them, and power was given unto him. Now, I want you to listen to this, uh, just these few words here at the end of Revelation 13 and 7. He will seek to subdue the saints of God, and power is given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Are you, are you reading what we're reading here? It's so important. Power was given to him over all kindreds of the earth, all tongues of the earth, and all nations. At the same time, he is seeking to subdue or overcome the church and to wear out the saints of the Most High God. That is what his purpose will be. It's important to know that prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for the bride of Christ, that at that point, it is most likely that the Antichrist, that is simply Satan, and a Satan-inspired system and man, will have overcome the kindreds and the tongues and the nations of the world. That means that the governments, the financial institutes, the media, particularly the media, which is the most effective tool today, uh, that is in the hands of the enemy, and the internet itself, I know we can use these things and we're not sinning in any way. I'm not saying that. But the systems of this world are completely owned by Him. If you're not sure about that, we'll come to it in the weeks ahead. But one of the most effective tools that the enemy has used today against the church of Jesus Christ is simply the media. It's the internet. Just for you to know, there are 1.3 million pornographic websites on the internet. That's 1.3 million weapons against the church of Jesus Christ. 1.3 million. I want you to hear this is a real battle. This is a battle because there are many that are fallen. Many that are being taken out of their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Many men of God. Many women of God. And these weapons are being used against them. And it's destroying, it's destroying young people. It's destroying marriages. It's destroyed our nation. It's destroyed the wholesome truths of God's Word, what it is to be a man and a woman and to come together in holy wedlock and live pleasing in the sight of God. These weapons are destroying our nation and our young people. They distort God's creation. 
We have plummeted deeper and deeper and deeper into sin and depravity. These are spiritual wickedness. We'll come to it in the weeks ahead. We'll be detailed and going in to what we are actually facing. We need to be real. And so He will own the governments. That's why we need to bring ourselves away from looking through the the glasses of whether it's Republican or Democrat or whether it's Unionist or Nationalist or Conservative or Liberal. Friends, I want to tell you something. It is the Antichrist that owns it all. And so our fight is a fight of faith. It is the church of the living God. He will, the Bible says, the power was given over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. He will be given that power. This is Satan's last stand. That's what we are living in and we will live in now and the remaining time that we're given. But that could be a year. It could be an hour. It could be 10 years. It could be 50 years. It could be 100 years. So what are we going to do? Are we going to retreat into a place of living like monks? Afraid to go out and preach the gospel or or to stand for Jesus or live our lives and enjoy the life that God has given us? To be blessed with what God has given us as a people. To be blessed that He's given us a husband and a wife and children. And to enjoy our lives and to live for God. God has blessed us. And He wants us to live our lives. I pray that God would raise up and God would preserve and bring forth these lads. And they would meet lovely girls one day and they get married. And one day I'll be a granda. And enjoy that. Stephen enjoys being a granda because that's what we're supposed to do. We're not to live in fear and defeat and hide up in some mountain, up in the cave hill. We're waiting here to Jesus. We're going to live our lives for Jesus and enjoy what He's given us. But the world wants to press us in. The devil wants to subdue us. Fear wants to overcome us. And there's a condition that's coming even our mindset in the church that we are somehow have to hide somewhere. We're not going to hide. Let your light shine. Live for God. Live for Jesus. God has blessed us with innumerable blessings. He's bestowed upon us. We have David prayed this morning with shirts on our back and roofs over our head. Did you get a breakfast this morning? Have you breath in your lungs? If you say no, you're telling lies. You have breath in your lungs. You're alive in God this morning. You're called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Live your life. Believe God. Bible says, yea, you're of God, little children, and you've overcame them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Live your life. Enjoy your family. It's coming up to that family time. Have turkey. Some people are retreating and resorting and hiding. Friends, have a family time. Enjoy it. Enjoy being with your family. Live for God. Christmas Eve, I'll be doing the turkey. That's my duty once a year to do the turkey and the famous McElrath stuffing that's been handed down for generations. Well, it wasn't. My dad just made it a few years ago and told us it's a good recipe. (laughs) We're going to live our lives for God. That's not going to be our focus. We're not going to live under the oppression in this system because we're free. Are we free? And we're free to live our lives where the spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty. I'm not negating the battle that's coming, but we need to live for God. We need to enjoy. 
Young people, God has a plan for your life. He has a wife for you. He has a, he has a husband for you. He wants you to know his purpose. He wants you to live for him. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you a job. Live your life for God. Just live for God. He might give you 100 years. He might give you 30 years. I don't know. He may be back tonight. He may be back in 30 years. I don't know. Nobody knows. If someone tells you they know, they don't. No man knows, the Bible says. But live your life for God. Paul the Apostle put it this way. He simply said, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Without, without ceasing. And everything gives thanks. Don't quench the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. And abstain from the appearance of evil. Just keep rejoicing and giving thanks to the Lord. And live your life. In the midst of this intensity, Paul writes and says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against in the evil day. And having done all, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to stand. We have nothing else to do but to stand. John writes and says, Where whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world. It's even our faith. God, give us a faith that overcomes. He writes, they, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Thank God we're overcomers. But he wants us to live But what we're seeing today and witnessing today, and I can only speak really for the church rather than anything else, are so many of God's people, I want you to listen because they were probably wondering how are we getting to Psalm 143. But so many people have lost, the only way I can put it is lost the fight. I want you to listen, saints, they've lost the fight. I'm talking to someone or someone's in this room this morning, I believe this is off the Lord, and, and the devil's last stand and preparing for the battle of the ages in many respects for the church of Jesus Christ to be ready for the coming of the Lord. But I'm witnessing and seeing so many believers have just lost the fight. They've just lost the fight. They once were in the fight. They once fought the good fight but they don't contend anymore. There's no passion anymore. I'm talking about a passion for the Lord. They've replaced the passion for the Lord with other passions, with other fights, with other things. And now we see that those lives that were once passionate for Jesus and passionate for the things of God, it seems as though the very life has been drained from them. They're drained out. This is what I believe I heard in prayer and praying over these messages as we approach this weekend. There's many that have just lost the passion and the life, as it were, has been drained out of them. Yes, the, as David says, for I am thy servant. I'm your servant. You are God's servant. But it's just been a series of attacks, if you, if you like, from the enemy 
And so you don't contend like you once contended. There's a word that was used in the prayer meeting on Friday night. It's the word fervency. The fervency. The fervency of a believer. It's a beautiful thing to see a Christian fervent. A fervent Christian. A Christian that has a fervency in their spirit, serving the Lord with fervency. But then what is happening is you see it in so many. It is so many. It's not just an isolated one or two. It is so tragic. You see the fervency isn't there. You see them. Of course they love the Lord. They're saved. They're going to heaven. But they've just lost something of the fervency for Jesus and the passion that when they think and they remember And yet they're in this place and many of them are crying out like David and saying, God, the enemy's persecuting my soul. He has smitten me down. I'm overwhelmed. My heart is desolate. I'm like them that lie in the darkness. God, are you there? Do you hear me? And I'm going through the motions, but the life is gone. And yes, we occupy ourselves physically with other things. And we still come to church and we still at times read our word. It's not that we're not doing the things that we're supposed to do. I do all the things I'm supposed to do, but there's a pressure that's come. Many no longer are in this fight of faith, and yet we need to be prepared for the year that's coming. We need to be a people that are ready for a battle. There's so much rubbish that goes on. So many things that people are all involved with. And friends, there's a, there's a world that's dying. Many minds are filled with the fiery darts of the enemy. Many are worn out. Remember what he said he would do? He would wear out the saints of the Most High. Many are worn out. Worn out. Can't lift themselves. Can't, can't do anything to get, it, to get it up. You can't... Work it up. You can't try it up. You can't do anything. It's just worn. I'm worn in my mind. I'm worn in my spirit. I'm worn in my faith. I'm worn in my... I'm worn out. God, I'm worn out. Yet Paul's writing says, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. But many are fainting. Many are fainting. Minds are filled. I want you to listen this morning because... I'm preparing, I believe, these messages because God wants to, the, the people here to stand up and believe God and pray and trust God for our families and our loved ones and this neighborhood and to believe God and go on in God and whether He comes next year or a hundred years, but we're going to live for Jesus. Many minds are filled with the fiery darts of the enemy. Their minds are actually polluted with fiery darts. The worst of the fiery darts of the wicked one, I want you to hear me this morning, are the ones that are mixed with truth and poison, lies. They are the worst form of the fiery darts. There is part truth, but he twists them and puts poison in the dart, and so then they're lodged in your thinking and in your mindset. These are very dangerous weapons, but yet there are many, and even some this morning in this very place, that their mindset has been lodged with these fiery darts. There is a wrong view of who God is. I was speaking to someone just a few days ago, and they had a very wrong view of God. Yet they've grown up hearing all about God. But their view of God is completely 
distorted because the enemy has sown lies in amongst the truth. So they don't see God as He is. That He is a Father to the fatherless. That He's full of mercy. That He loves us. That He's kind. That He's long-suffering. That He's willing to forgive us. That He doesn't render unto us what we deserve, but because of His grace, He saves us and He keeps us. There are many who are mentally exhausted with the torment of a mind. And there's many, brothers and sisters, this is not isolated. You may not bow over this, but I want to tell you something that is a truth. And in my experience and in talking to other brothers in the ministry, this is the greatest battle that we're facing today. It's the battle that's in the minds of God's people. And the enemy, because it's his last stand, is pressing in hard to wear out the saints of the Most High God, to subdue them. And that's a satanic poison, if you like. I don't want to be overdramatic, but I believe it is, that affects so many in the church of Jesus Christ, and they're crushed under the weight of spiritual oppression. God wants His people to be fervent in spirit, fervent in their mind, fervent in their prayer, and fervent in their love. This is all biblical. God wants us to be fervent, but you've lost the fervency. Fervent means to be in an intensity. You know, people say to me all the time, not so much now because it's just the way I am, that I'm too intense. I don't believe I am. I don't believe I'm intense enough about the things of God. A fervency, a glow, it means to be glowing hot for God. Hot for God. It means to be on fire for Jesus, to have a passion for the Lord. He's my everything. And yet so many today that the embers are low and are walking around believing something that is not true. This is the servants of God believing something that is not true and it's in their minds and they are believing that. They're called strongholds. That's what they are. But they're believing strongholds. They have a wrong view of God. They have a wrong view of themselves. Do you know God loves everyone equally? Do you know that? Do you know God loves, do you know God loves you as much as He loves me? Do you know God loves us all equally? Paul writes and says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. They are thoughts that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? This is the knowledge of God, God's Word. What does God say? So David says, Lord, the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has, he has beaten me to the ground. This is a servant of God. This is what David said. He's made me to dwell in a dark place. Believer, believer, I want you to listen to me this morning that you're dwelling in a place that's a dark place. You might be there a week, you might be there a month, you might be in there years in a dark place, in a battle. On the outward, just doing everything what you're supposed to do. You love the Lord. It's not a question of your love. You love the Lord. You're saved. 
Your name's written in heaven, praise God, but you're really battling against the enemy. And there's a fervency that you once had to serve God and to live for God, but now you're just trying to make it through. I want to tell you, God doesn't want us just to try to make it through. You can say like David, my spirit is overwhelmed. My heart is desolate. I'm remembering those days of old. And my soul is thirsting as a thirsty land. I'm thirsting. My spirit is failing. Don't hide your face from me, lest I be like them that go down to the pit. Lord, cause me to hear. Cause me to hear something. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. Cause me to know in the way that I should walk. He says, deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. He says, teach me to do my will, thy will. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for your name's sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. Cut down my enemies. Destroy all them that afflict my soul. Lord, do you know why? Because I'm, I'm your servant. That's your qualifications this morning, just to say, I'm a servant of God. What qualifies you to be a servant of the Lord? That you're born again of the Spirit of the living God. This is an hour that we are seeing, we will see, and as we move forward, are going to see. It's Satan's last stand. But God has a great plan for his church, and God has a great plan for you. is what I believe God wants to do in your heart this morning for those that this is relevant to. God wants to put back into you a fervency. He wants to put a fight of faith back into your heart. He wants to put a love back into you and a passion back into you. Because I believe this. I heard this statement years ago being said. But I do believe it to be so true. Because God needs you. Now someone would say, God doesn't need anyone, he's God. But I want to tell you something. God needs his people and he needs you. Because God does have a plan for your life and our lives. And God wants you to live that plan out. And God has a purpose through your life to reach into this world. Here's the things that he wants to do. He wants to renew your mind. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word renew means to, he wants, it's renovation. He wants to renovate your thinking. He wants to renew your spirit. The psalmist said, David, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins. Blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit, a right spirit within me, a renewed mind and a renewed spirit. He wants to renew our strength. Isaiah the prophet says, He gives power to the faint to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run 
and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I want to tell you something else what he wants to do with us. He wants to renew our vision as we head into this new year of 2022, God willing. May he anoint our eyes with ourselves that we might see. And a faith in God. We need to repent of unbelief, but we need to ask him as the apostles did and say, Lord, increase our faith for this year. This is a vital close, a vital time, but a vital year that's coming up. I believe that for the church of Jesus Christ. How will we overcome such an hour? We'll only overcome it in the power and the spirit of the Holy Ghost. How will we war a good warfare? We need to be renewed in our mind, in our spirit, in our faith, in our love. We need a fervency in prayer. We need a fervency toward one another in love. We need a fervency in our spirit. We need a fervency for God to be able to overcome in the days ahead. David cried because he was in trouble. Friend, this morning for those that are in this meeting and the preparation as we move forward, I believe the Lord would have me. You see, what's important is that everyone comes with us. Not just the great and the good, but actually the kingdom is not about the great and the good, it's about the least. What's important as an under-shepherd to me is not just a group, but it's everybody. The kingdom is that you bestow the most on the least. That's the kingdom. And so I want to say this morning, for those that are crying out to God, God hears our prayer. God hears your cry. And God has come this morning to renew your mind, to renew your spirit, to renew your strength, to give you a faith to move forward in God, to leave the old behind and to stand for God in these days and to live the life that he has for you. You're here this morning and God spoke to your heart. You're so important. God has spoke to your heart this morning. God wants to meet with you. God wants to touch your life. And God wants to bring you in that place of victory and freedom that there is in Christ. We need to live a life for God. But we need to be delivered from our wrong thought and the death and the oppression of the enemy. How do we do that? We come humbly and say, God, we need you this morning. The psalmist cried. God heard him, and he'll hear us. Let's pray together this morning.